0: Episode of Talking with Bungie, the Death by Bungie podcast. I hope the audio in this podcast and podcasts are just audio. So it's very important that the audio turns out good, and I hope that the audio turns out okay for this podcast. If it's too bad, I'll scrap it. If I can salvage it by the time you hear it, I will have made it sound the best I can. This podcast is me in a car. I am on route 88 heading south new york state across the mohawk valley what a cool name i'm heading route 88 from albany down toward binghamton if you need a little assistance with where we're at in the world there is a new york car up ahead of me that apparently has no muffler and he keeps slowing down i slow down a little bit and trying to let him get away from me. It sounds like a motorboat. I don't know if you can hear that, but that I can probably edit out of here. But then he needs to get ahead of me a little bit and get down the road. It's bad enough with all the balancing and everything else. But I'm in the car headed back from New Hampshire and Maine. I was up in New England for the purpose of hunting black bears. And I am heading back in defeat. I am heading back with my tail between my legs. I'm heading back with the disappointment of having not only failed to fill the coolers with a bunch of bear meat and a really cool potential bear rug and a bear skull for my daughter to clean up and play around with. Don't have any of those items. Instead, I have some video of a fisher. I saw some Canada jays or gray jays, I guess they call them. Saw a couple of moose, bull moose, and uh, yeah, no bears. Did not see a bear. I did not see a bear on my bear hunting trip. I sat for a combined total of more than 40 hours, half of which was in a really nice blind, set up 25 yards, 24, 25 yards from a giant barrel full of confection goodness, (laughs) sugar, you know, basically, in Maine. And then, three days before that, I sat in a tree stand in the evenings, hunting in front of a barrel there in a probably a 15-foot high ladder stand, double man stand, in a pine thicket. So I was in hardwoods and a blind and a pine thicket in the tree stand. I call it a thicket, but in reality, it was, I mean, we're talking thousands of acres of forest. This is forest land is what I was hunting in. When you are in Maine, you find, I learned, that there are these vast expanses of timberland set up by, they're owned mostly by timber holding companies and The rights to timber that are sold off to various interests. And the hunting rights are sold off to various parties. And the guides up there snatch up these hunting rights. And then they set up these blinds. And they set up these ambush sites. It's pretty neat. Now, I will say this. My failure to kill a black bear in Maine, and to give you an idea of where I was located, I was about on the west coast of Maine, about halfway up, two-thirds of the way up all the way to the upper corner of the New Hampshire main border. I was right up in there good. Okay, so we're pretty pretty far up north. It's a whole different world. Uh, the landscape changes. Didn't see a single gray squirrel. Saw red squirrels, no gray squirrels. So that's a big change. I didn't see any blue jays. I saw gray jays or Canada jays. Saw moose. Did see a deer. There are actually deer there. Deer are pretty prolific. They get so they can live just about anywhere. So I did see some animals, saw some familiar animals. We have fishers back in Pennsylvania, for example, and I saw a fisher and did get some decent video of that. That was fun. But that explains my trip. Now, the purpose of this podcast, that sort of set the stage here with this rambling narrative about what I just have been through. And it's kind of nice to talk and hear my own voice. I have not been around human beings for very much here. I was at a cell service. I talked to my wife and my daughter yesterday. Genevieve's doing good, Michelle's doing good. Got on the phone with them Saturday morning, today's Sunday, and I think it's September 13th here. But they're doing good, but I couldn't talk to them. There's no cell service where I was. I had to drive half an hour one way to get to a spot where I had cell service. I couldn't call them because they were either at work or school, right? During the day. So I had to wait till Saturdays, which meant that I didn't talk to him for a whole week. So I can't wait to get home. Very excited about that. So it's neat to hear my own voice though. Need to have an opportunity to talk and share this story with you. It'll help me make a better video. I do intend to make a bear hunting video out of this because I learned some stuff. I learned some stuff. Now, this podcast the topic i'm going to try not to make this ramble on too long make it too long a, a podcast but this episode i'm basically going to talk about handling disappointment and give you my random thoughts about handling disappointment and what this means for the future of bear hunting with bungee um we'll start with that there is not likely to be a new youtube channel called bear hunting with bungee <laughs> that's probably not going to happen i Loved this trip. I loved the idea of this trip. I want to cook with bear meat. I want to eat a bear. I want to hang a bear on the wall one way or another. It's going to happen. My original pick on here was Canada. That's always been my dream. I've joked about this in recent videos, but it's been my dream for a long time, basically since I started crossbow hunting, to go to Canada, go up to Ontario, shoot a black bear over bait in front of a blue barrel and because just that's what you see when you watch the videos it's got to be a blue barrel and my pine barrel in my pine forest that was it was really a spruce forest i don't think it was pine but in this evergreen forest was a black barrel which at dusk man i'm telling you don't use black barrels all right I'm learning a little bit about how to set up a bear ambush bait site. Don't use a black barrel. Use a white barrel. And the reason for that is a black bear is going to stand out really well against a white barrel as compared to a black barrel when it is half an hour past the sunset or the end of legal shooting hours. These bears were only coming in after dark or at dark, I mean after the, the sunset and just before the legal shooting light. So these are some of the things I've learned, right? The white barrel is superior. Blue barrels look real good and I think they hold up too in the low light circumstances, but black is a bad idea. If a bear came in, I don't know this from experience, but if a bear were to come in, it'd be awful hard to judge that bear from a distance at 20 yards, 25 yards, and to know where to take that perfect shot if you can't tell which end of the bear is which and blah, 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 those bears are going to blend right in with that barrel anytime after 7.15, okay? It got dark at 7 or so, and end illegal legal shooting hours varied, of course, gets earlier every day, but it went started about 7.38, I think, ended up at 7.28 or something like that by the time you left. So those are the kind of numbers that we're dealing with. But at 7.15, you can see better through the scope than you can with your naked eye and by 7 30 you're pretty much out of light Uh, because you're in the woods and there's less light there to begin with so that's that's to be expected it happens the same thing when I hunt deer at home in Pennsylvania in the hemlocks you sit down there and when I'm all out of shooting light I pack up my gear and head out there's no point in sitting here any longer so I pack up my gear and leave and by the time I get up to the field 10 minutes later it seems like it's still daytime It's like, man, why didn't I just stay down here? It's still dark. It's still not dark. That's just the nature of the beast. That's the nature of hunting. So I do have, and I think the importance of low light is one of the lessons that I learned on this trip. It cannot be overstated. One of the websites I looked at, and I think this was for a Canada bear hunting guide, they recommended for your crossbow open sights, which I thought was odd. I'm like, why would they recommend open sights? And I think after having conversations with friends of Bungie online that kind of come to the conclusion that's because of low light. They want the open sights because some of your cheaper crossbow scopes may not preserve the low light circumstances as well, preserve those shot opportunities as well, and therefore open sights are a better pick. I have the Twilight DLX scope from Excalibur mounted on old Bungie. I've been using that scope for several years. I really like it. I like it uh, because it does have the makings of a 10 yard reticle. You know me and my short shots. It has perfect 20, 30, 40, 50, and out to 60 yards reticles for each of those distances. And it does configure nicely with that speed ring, very important to me, so that I can dial it in and be dead on at those distances. When there's a little cross here that says 30 next to it, it should be dead on at 30 yards right there with that reticle, not 28 yards and not 36 yards. It should be 30 yards. That is a requirement for the death by bungee crossbow hunting method. (laughs) So low light, one of the very important lessons that I learned here, it comes to bears, Low light is very important. you got to be prepared at last light. The guide, of course, would confirm that in conversations. And the bears that were brought into camp would confirm that for me also. Speaking of camp, another important lesson I've learned. I kind of don't like hunting in a camp environment. If you've ever read my book, The Death by Bungie Crossbow Story, I talk about my growings up of hunting, right? My introduction to hunting and how we hunted Pennsylvania style, rifle hunting style when I was a kid in the 1980s. That's how I was introduced to hunting. And I look back on that somewhat fondly, but I drifted away from that style of hunting. And when I got back into hunting, the whole world had changed when it came to the outdoor world. And I was introduced to crossbows and If you read that book, you'll see why I hunt with a crossbow. I like hunting with a crossbow because it is a solitary venture. It's me in the woods, just me and the deer. When you go to camp, you're staying with other people, around other people. And we weren't on top of each other because of COVID. You don't want to be like, you know, right in everybody's face all the time. But... We practiced our social distancing did that stuff to the best you can but you're still around people you've never met before and those conversations that you have even from a distance are with people you never met before and really may not share anything in common with we all had hunting in common we all had a love of the outdoors in common but part of this lesson for me when i look at other people and how they experience hunting, is that they don't see hunting the way that I do. They don't see hunting the way that you do, that you as a friend of Bungie, or is that I and Bungie see hunting. Crossbow hunting is different. It's different from the world of rifle hunting that I grew up with. It is different from the world of rifle hunting that all these other people at Bear Camp lived in. Their hunting world is rifle-centered. I was the only crossbow hunter. There's another kid there with a bow who primarily bow hunts. So I had a lot in common with him. We talked about arrows, talked about broadheads, all that good stuff. But you got to figure there's nine or twelve other people who went through that camp during the week, all of whom are rifle people. Nine or twelve other people. So it's... 80 percent rifles two things about that these are the lessons that i've learned right we'll get to the disappointment here when i wrap this up and how i'm going to handle this and that's really more a story about how i'm going to handle this going forward but here's the thing about the rifles rifle hunters have a distinct advantage right that's common sense they're shooting in excess of the speed of sound twice the speed of sound they're shooting nice heavy pieces of lead i don't know i'm just thinking I'm, I'm so far removed from the rifle hunting anymore that i can't tell you uh what these people had or didn't have There was a guy with a 3030, i recognize that because i hunted with one of those when i was a kid there was one person who had a 270 and there was a big discussion about whether that was too small around to be using for black bears um, side lesson here the black bears in new hampshire and maine are not the size of black bears in pennsylvania They're smaller. And that's a fact, right? Our state record is 864 pounds or something for a black bear. If you go to the Poconos or if you go to Sullivan County or if you go to Potter County or McKean County and look at a black bear or the county record for a black bear, I know people every year they get a 300 pound plus black bear. There was not a single 300 pounder brought into this camp. It would have been the talk of the town had someone brought in something that big. The bears here, most of them, the 150s, 140s, and then there was one or two that were over 200. So those are respectable sized, New Hampshire or Maine black bears. So that's a lesson too. If you want the big one, the one that fills up the whole corner of your living room, that you gotta go somewhere else most likely. Uh, And that's not the whole thing here, right? I want the experience. I want a bear that I can put in the trophy room but I'll mount any size bear. I'm not picky. <laughs> I'll make them work. Get past this construction right here, and the audio should approve. They also only have black bears in Maine. There are no color phase. I was informed, which is fine. You know, I want to start with a black bear. If I'm going to shoot a color phase, that's when you're getting kind of picky. You know, that's when you start. the The, the cinnamon bear is kind of like shooting a, a Rio turkey. Or a gould's turkey or something like you know i'll stick with the eastern until i get that down you know so to me the black bear that's, that's i'm totally happy with that but they do have some very rarely will have the white throat and then there are two color phases what they would consider color phases in that some of the black bears are all black jet black jet black muzzle the whole bit others have a brown muzzle and it just is a genetic thing and it's just an interesting genetic thing. So these are the things I learned while I was here. I learned another important lesson that hunting for black bears is not the same as white-tailed deer. Now, I have said long for a long time that hunting over bait is not a guarantee. I like it because it positions whatever animals are coming in if i'm going to get a shot it's likely going to be a shot at a measured distance not as many surprises you start eliminating those surprises and you increase the likelihood of success because you're not making bad shots less likely to make a bad shot very important with a crossbow every five yards makes a difference so i need to know within five yards how far we're shooting these are 20 to 30 yard shots on these stands. I don't know why people were using rifles or maybe a better way of saying it is, why are we setting up ourselves 20 to 30 yards from the bait barrel within the black bear's scent range where they can pick you off either by movement or by scent. Why aren't we setting people up 50 yards from the barrel, where they wouldn't even know you're there. If you're hunting with a rifle, wouldn't you rather shoot? I mean, the guides, I, I can tell you why. And I can tell you why. It's because these guys with the rifles, the week before I got here to this camp, they lost three bears. All three were rifle shots at 20 or 30 yards. All three of them were lost to rifle hunters. The archery guys that week, he didn't tell me. I didn't get into specifics, but I asked him if they were archery or rifle. He said, no, the archery guys, they all got their bears, which I don't know if that could have been six people, could have been two people, I don't know, but they got their bears. In other words, they took their shot, they found their bears, no problem. These guys, the rifle guys, hit bears, tracked them and couldn't find them. Now, other rifle guys got their bears. But it goes to show you there's a lesson there that there aren't guarantees over bait. There aren't guarantees using a rifle versus using archery equipment. So I felt totally okay. Uh, sitting out there with the old crossbow. I think we were totally appropriately weaponized for this hunt. Another interesting thing about the rifle guys. And this is a kind of a neat story all week long. I listen to these guys bragging about, look at that hole. Oh, look at that hole. Look at that's the entrance hole. Look at this exit hole, right? And they're, oh, it's just so great. And they're bragging about their shots. They're from their 20 gauge or whatever it is. You know, their 30-30 different rifles. That put a big hole in it, right? And then, and, I, and I'm, you know, I like that stuff. So I'm, I'm listening to them. I'm certainly not being critical here, but it shows you how there is a different world out there and you as a crossbow friendly person listening to this podcast a friend of Bungie, you will get something out of this observation the last day i was there this is three or four bears i saw throughout the week that were brought in some brought in by people who are hunting with me here at this camp and other people just this is a local processing station so there's people from the community bringing their bears in the people in camp hunt with this guide the people who come in from the community either hunt with other guides or they hunt on their own private property or leased property, what have you. But the last day I was there, in the morning before I'm getting ready to go out, this is yesterday morning, an old guy comes in with his bear, a nice-sized bear, and he shot it with a crossbow. It was a Raven R-26 using Raven arrows. And I said, oh, that's cool, that's great, that's great. What uh, what broadhead were you using? And he goes, oh, I use a Grim Reaper. And I said, oh, let's see the hole. Let's see the hole, let's see the entrance road. So he pulls the bear over there in the back of the truck there. And he's like, it's right here. And he pulls a little bit, tugs a little bit on the, because they got long hair. He pulls a little bit on the hide to, to display the hole. And you should have seen the looks on the faces of the rifle hunters when he revealed that Grim Reaper broadhead, three-blade entrance one. They were (laughs) pale-faced. Their faces went white, like holy cow. It put them to shame. Now, granted, it doesn't remove all of the shoulder blade and turn that into a weapon and push that through the bear, killing the bear but it went through both lungs with ease. It was a beautiful shot and it opened up that hide and revealed the skeleton of that bear underneath. And it was just something that, uh, and this guy was a real good hunter too, because he not only made a great shot, he had cleaned the bear up, already gutted it himself, cleaned it all. cause he'll gut these things for you if you bring them in. But he had already washed it, hosed it down, had it all brushed up nice and cleaned up nice so that the wound wasn't displayed i mean he was really taking care of his animal keep the dirt out of it you know like closing up the wound and all that but when he pulled that back boy did that give them some food for thought i think about the efficacy of arrows and archery equipment efficacy i guess is a good word the effectiveness of archery equipment because i got dirty looks you know I'm the odd man out. Now, I'm used to that as a crossbow hunter. We are used to that as crossbow hunters. The archery folks typically don't like us because we're shooting all their deer. And the rifle folks don't like us because we're shooting all their deer. Everybody's got this thing that they own all the deer and they're entitled to a certain number of deer. and They don't like the competition. I don't know. Maybe that's just a stereotype. I'm sure there's some truth to it. But in camp, I got uh, the dirty looks. I got the questions. Well, how come you out with a crossbow? And I had to start by explaining um, an old grumpy hunter will get a kick out of this but I would explain that no I do not have a felony or anything like that I don't want you thinking that I'm that I'm legally prohibited from possessing a firearm or anything like that I just have gotten into crossbow hunting and I enjoy it and I le- leave it at that but I really learned I believe that a crossbow can be an effective tool hunting black bears at that range Had I been given a shooting opportunity and adequate light, I do believe that Bungie and I could have gotten the job done nicely, especially given the size of bears. They were just large enough to be a good target and just small enough not to be something where I worried about a pass-through. How's that? How's that? That's pretty good. I have Bungie in a sweet spot right now with a 100-grain broadhead, 338-grain arrow, so we're shooting around 440. 438, 440, 445 grains with the Luminoc, 20-inch arrow, more than enough weight to push a 20-inch arrow through an animal that size. Pretty confident about that. So I think we're on the right track there. So the big question is the disappointment. There it is. Now that's the last lesson I'm going to go through here and I hope you're getting something out of this. I hope this road and New York, always used to be that New York had the really nice roads compared to Pennsylvania. But oil and gas comes through Pennsylvania, and they taxed them to death and took all the oil and gas money and put it on the roads. So we got these really nice roads. And then I leave leave my home county, and I go someplace like up here where they don't have oil and gas, and the roads are falling apart. Come on, New York. Get on the ball here. I don't know what they're waiting for. Um, waiting for the price of gas to go up I gas. I don't know. Anyway. Disappointment. Am I disappointed? Absolutely, 100%. I am disappointed. I am homesick. I've been away from my family for over a week without the opportunity to talk to them. I am not missing work at all, I can tell you that, but that that shouldn't surprise anybody, right? But I'm behind on my death by bungee. I've taken a lot of cool pictures but had no internet access to share them with anybody. I haven't checked my trail cameras in two weeks last weekend I was packing to come up here and then this weekend I don't know if I'm going to make it so I'm I'm going to try and check a trail camera or two on the way home, run down the woods real quick and get those checked. I'm going to try and do that. In fact, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to try, I'm going to do it. There's no trying. There's only stopping there and doing it. That's what's going to happen. Maybe I'll upload those pictures too along with this podcast. Yeah, that's what we'll do. (laughs) But I think that that's a important thing to discuss though is the disappointment what does this mean going forward i'm going to be 50 my next birthday and when i turn 50 years old one thing that comes along with being 50 is you're a little bit older right 50 is a pretty good milestone now i feel really good i spent the summer push mowing our yard at our new home and i have stamina in my legs like never before my weight has come down i had my yearly physical with my doctor And he was impressed and very happy. In fact, he said, you made some really good progress. I told him I only lost about five or six pounds, but he thinks that I lost more like 10 or 15 pounds because of the amount of muscle that I had built from all that push mowing. And it was a simple little practical thing. It was spending 150 bucks on a push mower instead of 1500 bucks on a riding mower. That decision and that commitment made a big difference in my health. But nonetheless, a trip like this is a big undertaking for me and I don't know how many more of these I've got left in me. So I don't know that this is like the future of Death by Bungie traveling all the time and doing these hunts, but the future of Death by bungee will include the shooting of a bear. It has to include that event because that's something that I hope to do with my crossbow. And and that is an animal that I want to cook with. And that is an animal that I want to display in the new trophy room. So there's more bear hunting coming. I can do that in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is probably the best bear hunting state in the whole world, given the geography, the bears' numbers, the size of the bears, the habitat, the accessibility, the state game lands, the whole bit. But you can't bait you can't even use scented lures or anything like that for bears it makes it pretty tough it makes it pretty tough so i'm thinking that my original trip to canada is something that i'm going to have to explore and try and set up for next year if we can get past this whole virus thing i think that is in the future of death by bungee i think that's where we're headed so Time will tell, time will tell. So the disappointment associated with not shooting a black bear, you have to turn that around and turn that into something positive. I learned an awful lot. I learned about bear vocalizations, signals, when to tell if there's a bear near you. I learned some of the things that I like and don't like about the hunting setups. I learned something about the genetic traits of bears in that region versus other parts of the world and it's given me a lot of food for thought for future hunting opportunities the video will be out soon video will display some of that uh the shots the footage that i got while i was there and tell that whole story i hope you will tune into that video i hope that your early crossbow season is shaping up nicely and that you're getting ready for your crossbow deer or whatever crossbow season you're set to enjoy I hope everything goes well for you. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and until next time, all hail Bungie!